Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. You've not heard my voice before, my name's Jan Caston and you may know me as being a partner in Nelson Nutmeg Pictures with Tim Clagg and Danny Stack and we made Nelson Nutmeg. Anyway, the reason I'm here doing this podcast today is that I happen to be in Jersey at the same time as Will Smith and we're meeting up to talk about his latest book and about his screenwriting career. Comedian, screenwriter and now novelist Will Smith. Hi Will. Hi. Hi. Um, Should I say welcome home to you? It does. It does feel like home. I, I grew up here, so it always feels like the place I sort of and come here back it, to. Yeah, I mean, here I is start, Jersey. Here, here it, is Jersey in the uh, Channel Islands. Yes, Jersey. Yes, Jersey, yeah. Well, I was here from the age of seven up till you know after university. So all the all my formative years were were here. And a good education. Yeah, terrific. I love the school. Um, I I've dedicated the book to my English teacher. So. He, he must have done something right. It, it was, was the inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very inspiring. Uh, for O-level and A-level, very inspiring English teachers. So, so yeah, I, I love the school here. And taking you into a career that's taken yeah. you a lot of places with your writing. Well, yeah, I started, well, it was performing. I started performing at the school uh, and doing kind of sketch shows. And then also uh, we'd make films on the holidays and things like that. So we were sort of making films from, you know, right around the age of, sort of 17, 18, we, we were doing all that. And then, um, and then we moved to to Southampton. I went to Southampton University, and there was no one to make films with there, so I started doing stand up, and that's how that sort of took off. And, and stand up was a way of getting into writing for radio, which led to TV, which led to film. So, mm. yeah. But today you're mm. here in Jersey. You've been promoting your first novel, yes, which is called Mainlander. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, yes. Uh, it's uh, what the story of it, or, the, or how Ooh, it came to write it. Oh, I don't know. Do you want to really? Do you want to reveal the story? <laughs> I don't think so. Do you? No, no. I uh, I started. I've always sort of as well as doing stand up and doing the kind of uh, uh, radio and TV writing. I've been trying to write novels alongside that, and I tried. They've mainly been sort of attempts at doing comic novels, and I couldn't quite get them to work. And while I was waiting for. Well, an inevitable rejection on one novel. I started doing this one, which is not a comic novel, um, uh, and I found that very liberating to kind of write without um, without one of my kind of tools, basically, of uh, you know funny dialogue, funny situations. It was just you had to really sort of focus much more on the structure of the character and the characters and the uh, and the story. Um, and and I felt the screenwriting kind of influencing that in that I would think very much of the chapters as scenes and moving the story on and bringing in new information and making sure that everything was earning its place sort of story-wise. So I tried to give it that kind of that kind of pace. And then it also kind of then impacted going back on screenwriting. I think it all... I, I like to do all these different things, but I think I learned from all of them, really. So that's... I, I'm really glad you said that because mm. um, I read the book and it's, it's an excellent book. It's a great, great oh, story. Um, but being a screenwriter myself... I saw in the structure, mm. I could actually see, could feel insta- I could yeah. feel that it was a screenwriter <laughs> oh, writing good. a novel. Yeah. Was that intentional? Uh, I think it's just one of the sort of, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I could separate it out really, because I suppose it's just you thinking of story, and you're used to thinking of uh, telling story uh, in, within film structure, and I, th- I think I just apply it, apply it cause it's a, you know, it's a, it's a long form like a script is, I mean, it, it kind of... It probably takes you about the same time. I mean, a novel. I mean, you could do it in a year. A film, it's six months to a year, really, isn't it, to write 
from from beginning to you know from first idea to getting a draft, I would say you you should probably allow a year to get it right. Um, so I th- I I think I I don't know. I think in terms of pacing I and, and 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 act structures and things like that, I was definitely thinking in terms of. Well, I thought it was a three-act structure. Yeah, 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 it does, yeah. It is. is that, was that intentional? I th- th- no, I, d- I never sat down and kind of marked it out in that way, but I think, I think it probably, if you, if you looked at it, it probably would have that structure, yes. Mm. And it, it's, it's um, a book which, at the end, has a tremendous hook. Mm. Is it intended to be the first of many? Yes, yeah. With the same characters? You mean, the, yeah, there is, yeah, there's a hook. Some people don't kind of, there's a slight, I don't want to give anything away, actually, I'll stop talking. But yeah, there's... Um, <laughs> oh, no, please don't. No, no, so I've got, a, I've got a friend who who will sort of say, oh, have you seen the latest episode of whatever the hit show is? And I'll go, I haven't seen it yet, don't say anything. Uh, in fact, I'm three episodes behind, and he'll go, oh, would you, I mean, just, just to say, episode five, it's got such a shocking twist. And you're like, well... That's, it doesn't have a shocking twist anymore because now I know something's going to happen, so I'll be second guessing it. And any kind of lull, I'll think, oh, they're going to suddenly subvert it. So I just I like to know nothing. So um, so I'm not going to answer with any specifics other than to say I've, I would like to do more novels following these characters and their lives. And that's that's what I've, I've definitely set that up. They're incredibly strong characters. They're very well drawn characters, and. Um, I know that from because I came to a talk last mm. night that you gave about the book specifically, and I know you did have trouble with some of the characters. Yeah, you needed to speak to people about them to see what their feelings were before they actually settled in your own mind. Yes, well, I think partly, and it's quite interesting coming from comedy as well, where, where I hadn't managed to get the comedy novels to work because comedy often it works with you know it's, it's grotesques and um, and it's I think it's fine to spend thirty minutes with a, an Alan Partridge or a. Basil Fawlty or David Brent, but I'm not sure whether I'm just I'm defeating my own argument now because there's an excellent Alan Partridge book that's hilarious, um, but I, I don't know whether you could sustain like a Basil Fawlty like maybe for a whole novel it'd just be too unpleasant and you have to you know show the kind of the, the weaknesses and, and you have to have some kind of sympathy or that have to have some kind of redeeming qualities and I think so, the character in my novel who's the kind of the alpha the alpha male uh, character Rob certainly. Uh, is pretty obnoxious, uh, and I, I think if you just read the, if if it just kept on that level, I don't think you'd really engage with him. Whereas what I wanted to do was present somebody who's pretty repulsive to most readers, but people feel sympathy for him by the end, and sympathy for his circumstances, and, and hopefully also understand why he is the way he is, and then it's you know, and to pity him being like that rather than rather than anything else. So. So yeah, so I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the characters, and they certainly feel real to me. So it's, it's lovely to hear that they feel real to to you, and um, th- that was really important to me. To I mean, because you really have to you have to explore so much really with with a book that I think you can you can get away with more thumbnail sketching sketches of characters maybe in a film, but not to do film writing down in any way. But you can because you don't go inside their minds in the way that you do in a book, you, you don't have to fill in the blanks, whereas I, I kind of felt well, you also, I had to fill in the also, blanks. Well, you also, with a film, you are also working for a director. Yeah. And you yeah, have the yeah. director's image going on You it. do, and the actors as well when it comes to it. And that, exactly. And that's why I, I, I love collaborating. I love working with actors and directors. I love getting notes, in, informed notes from, uh, you know, uh, intelligent and capable producers are, are a wonderful thing because they only improve the, the work. So... You know, I, I like all that process, and, and I took notes on the book, so it's not like I was just doing my own thing and then here it is, take it or leave it. But I do, I did enjoy the autonomy of being in charge of, you know, you're, you're directing, you're doing the music, the costumes, the 
Yeah, uh... You're talking about autonomy, mm. um, I found a, a headline of an article you wrote for The Guardian, mm. uh, February 2015, and it was afforded with the most wonderful headline. A screenwriter turns novelist looking for less interference and fewer turkeys. <laughs> and it's, it actually refers to a low point in your career. Yeah. Are you happy to talk about that low yeah, point in I your am, career? Yeah, well, I, I can contrast it with, with you know, a comparable high points. And I, I don't really, you know, I don't want to whinge about, oh, I can't, can't take the interference and I just want to go off and write books and be pure artistically, etc. Because so I'm in the very fortunate position that most of my TV work has been under the umbrella of Armando Iannucci. And so I've... I only ever really have to answer to his notes, and his notes are incredible. And uh, I don't think I've ever disagreed with any uh, note or decision he's he's taken. So we uh, had a, have a fantastic creative creative relationship with Armando. So, but it's outside of the Armando umbrella. It is, uh, it, you know, it's it's wet and cold. Do you think so. at this point we ought to let the listeners oh, in? The, well, what, the story. Why, what why, was, the, why the turkey? The came turkey. In? I was working on a uh, BBC Three, or it might have even been called BBC Choice back then. It was a chat show and as i recall it we, we was it was the, the producer said we've uh, it's it's independence july 4th it's independence day we're doing an in, independence day special so we booked a live turkey uh and i was one of the writers and i said that's great but turkeys have nothing to do with independence day it's thanksgiving when americans eat turkeys and they went well it's it's the national bird isn't it and i said no that's that's the eagle and they said well i'm sorry will but we've booked the turkey <laughs> <laughs> Was the turkey a good actor? No, because I kind of said, "What do you want us to? What, what What are you asking us to do here?" And they were like, "Can you write some ad libs in case the turkey clucks or does it?" And again, you're clucks. thinking, "But writing an ad lib is that's a you know that's a tautology. It's that that doesn't that's, so that's impossible." And what it's just you know, it, it was just that thing you get in TV, and I, th- I think you get in any po- possible possibly any large organisation where people are colluding to uh, enact bad decisions because they've been told to do it and, oh, no, we can't upset. It's, it's in motion now, so let's just make the best of it. And you just think, no, let's just not do it. <laughs> it's just... Do you think this is because of time pressure? It's time pressure and hierarchies and, you know, and t- too many people in a chain as well and things like that. And, and, and I don't and I don't know, a collective, collective madness or something <laughs> that, that, that befell the production. Well, it definitely became a turkey, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Turkey of an idea. I, I can't even remember what the show was called, actually. Should but... we go back to something sublime? Mm. Should we go back to Armando in yes. and your relationship with him firstly on a show called time trumpet and i have yes. to admit i don't know time oh, trumpet. it may be when i wasn't when was it time trumpet was uh 2005 i think and it's probably it's one of the things i'm most proud of and um we'd done a, a show we did a show called gash on that was the first thing i worked on with armando um uh, he was looking for writers for a a run of uh, it was a sort of pilot that was spread over a week, so it was a night. It was going to be a nightly kind of topical show that he was doing for Channel Four, and I think all the people he'd worked with on day to day and you know, Partridge, they they'd all kind of spread out and were doing their own things. And he, he wanted to start working with some new people and a, a guy called Phil Clark, who was an early uh, mentor of of mine, who really got me started as a writer on radio and and is now head of Channel Four Comedy and is uh, you know a terrific uh, terrific comedy producer. Did the Peep Show and. He recommended me and my writing partner Roger to to Armando, and then so there's a bunch of us got together and we wrote on Gash, and then Channel Four didn't want the series, but then Armando used uh, us all in various combinations. On um, he did a show called the, it was 2004, the Stupid Version, which was the precursor to Time Trumpet, and so they both had the conceit it was, it was taking 
kind of it was uh, re dubbing and revoicing archive footage and manipulating it and also doing kind of talking heads mm. uh, kind of spoof talking heads and then time trumpet the idea was it was a look back at the present from the future so it was sort of interviewing celebs in 20 years time so we Ahead had the old time? yeah yes well we, we had the old Jamie Oliver and the old David Beckham looking back and talking about things that happened in I think we were sort of we set it a year this sounds very complicated we set it a year ahead of where we were so it was like it was sort of people in 2020 looking back in 2007 but the show went out in 2006 and and it was it was tremendous because um he just kind of used our material with 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 one of it and it did just didn't get uh, uh, edited in any way so so you kind of write stuff and then you just film it and he goes this is great this is funny let's do it and then so it was there was it was just so kind of quick and fluid and it was like he he'd have an idea or talk about an idea with us and we'd go and write some stuff and then he'd film it. Mm. So for a stand-up comedian that must have been a very nice sort of easy way in to it, into television and the pressure of television. Yes, well I, I, production. I the thing was I'd done I had been working on television before but it'd been on shows you know similar to the one where they booked the turkey and then and then when it started working with Amanda I actually did after we did gaff I remember going to him uh, at the end at the rap party and saying I just really want to say thank you because uh, it's, it's the first time where my material has ever been executed in the way that I thought it would be where it, it's sort of you, the sketch has been done as I imagined it and as I thought it would be and he just said well, that's because ninety percent of people in television are crap at their jobs, and I kind of thought, well, he doesn't pull his punches. No, does no, he? no. But I also, I also, I, it also made me think, oh, it's okay for me to feel like annoyed if things aren't going well. It's like he, you know, he's got no axe to grind. He's not a bitter person in, in any way. He's, you know, uh, he's not an angry person. He's and he's done some of the best shows ever. And if he if he can express disgruntlement at uh, some of the uh, the ways some television programs are made, then then maybe I can. So it was, and it was. And it was great going from that and then going on to time travel and thinking, oh, you can make television where you just do the best version of the idea and it's not thought or it's not kind of picked apart by committee and diluted because he's very protective of, of his, what he does. Ide- very protective of his ideas and he completely trusts his instincts. Uh, so he will sort of say, I want to do this kind of thing. I, you know, I kind of got a starting point. I've got a think I've got an end point. Don't know how I get there, but he knows that he it will come to him as he's doing it as part of the writing process whereas and that's anathema to a lot of kind of commissioners certainly in tv who'd be like no we have to know exactly what it's going to be it has to be completely mapped out otherwise we can't sign off on it and but because he's had such success he can say you know he can go i would do this be a bit like this maybe some of that and they'll go yeah fine and just let him get on with it and which is uh, and it's wonderful for me to be working in that environment and of course with him you went on to do the thick of it Mm -hmm. and the veep yeah which have actually taken up an awful lot of your writing career yes. it's about 10 years isn't it i think thick yeah i think we didn't do the first sort of series or they did two series of three episodes was the first sort of batch of thick of it and that and i wasn't involved in that and then he came to us i think it was around when we'd done time trouble and he said would you like to watch would you like to write in the next series of thick of it and we were like yeah of course wonderful yeah brilliant because and he was like because he was developing other uh, shows we had there were some sitcoms that that we'd written that um, and that he loved and and wanted to make and he said the problem that you'll have is that, that people will say well they haven't they haven't had anything haven't written a sitcom before so we can't trust them to do a sitcom so he said if I let you do a thick of it episode apart from the fact that I think you'll do a great thick of it episode then we don't have to have that argument when we try and picture other ideas and people go yeah but what have they done so so it was fantastic to come on board 
for that, and, th and then separately from that, when there was obviously the, a, a thick of it hiatus during the, um, when Chris Langham uh, was being kind of uh, uh, dealt with, uh, he, during that he made the holding, it was a holding episode because he was waiting to see what happened with Chris, uh, where he introduced the opposition, and, and I was brought in as an actor, so I actually started as an actor on the thick of it before I started as a writer. Was that odd? Uh, Doing the two roles? Uh, well, no, no, because no, I did the act acting first. But like, I mean, oh, there was impro that I did. You act did, any, anything that you'd written, or were you acting what? Something... In the first thick of it, uh, it, 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 I wasn't one of the writers, although I did contribute impro through the rehearsal process and the improvised takes we do on set. And the character was sort of not a million miles away from the kind of stuff I was doing on stage as a stand-up. So. You know, people found it kind of easy to write for it. I, I, I think, but um, so I, I mean, I, I just went as an actor, and I, I met with very nerve wracking, um, but but I think less nerve wracking than it would be, you know, because I I worked with Amanda and knew him, so I didn't. Obviously, when I first worked with Amanda, I had a whole hump of, oh my god, it's one of my heroes, and he's a genius, and ah, you know, but I kind of got over that a bit by then, and Chris Allison was in it, and I I knew Chris from when he, very very early days of stand up. So we were friends, so I was comfortable with him, and I knew all the other writers, so it wasn't like some of the actors came to the thick of it, but it could be, it could be quite intimidating, not because anyone was in any way difficult, in completely the opposite, but just because the show was thought it was so great, and because of the improv element. It so became it could... very great very quickly, yeah. didn't it? And it was being talked about yes. very, very quickly. Yeah, it got very buzzy. So, so you, you obviously didn't want to let down the side. No, that was it. And so everyone, I know Amanda used to tell a story, he'd be, he'd be like, just actors I think during the first rehearsals each actor came up to me individually and said I'm, I can't do the improv I'm rubbish I'm no, no good and he said everyone was saying that and, and it wasn't true about any of them everyone was feeling everyone else was better than everyone else and they just and they, they were all just incredible uh, actors and improvisers but, and in some ways I think I was slightly shielded by I, you know by the fact that I knew, I knew the comedy people and I was pretty ignorant I'm ashamed to say of, of the kind of stature of some of the other people so I mean like it was only afterwards where I kind of realised all the work that Roger Allen had done. I mean, I knew bits of what Roger had done, but I didn't, I didn't know his full CV. And, you know, what a terrific... I think uh, sometimes it's best not to I think it would have been, because I think if I'd have been, you know, thrown into kind of, right, you're doing a scene with Roger Allen, and, and, you know, I have no training as an actor at all. <laughs> I just, you know, I'd have been terrified. Whereas it was, just looking back on it, you kind of think, oh, how do I get away with that? But, um... So it was wonderful. I loved doing the acting and then, and then being brought on to write it as well. Was And then going on, was it straight into the deep after? Uh, sorry, the Veep. Veep, Veep no. was, I think Would Veep... you like to go into the deep? <laughs> no, the, into the Veep. Veep. Veep was, I think we piloted, or he, no, I, actually it was um, uh, Arm and um, Simon Blackwell wrote the pilot of of Veep, which I think we made, they, they made the pilot in between season three and four of the thick of it. And then did we do... Oh God, I can't, I'm I'm getting hazy now. I know there was one. There was one kind of thing. We were basically we were going. We we did like think of it three V one V four V two with no break. We were kind of going from one thing to the other, and then it was there was a slight element of being punch drunk at one point. We were creatively, we were just like there was no. I, I mean, was, I'm not going to complain. I mean, no, no, no it's an <laughs> but, experience uh, uh, that uh, a lot of people give their right arm. Oh, incredible! But it was it was it was very. It was one period that was very intense because we just and because the shows are. Uh, similar in um, in theme and and in writing process, it, it you know it kind of it felt like we we were like working on stop for about two or three years, but but on you know fantastic shows with great cast. So I'll shut up. Talking about other writing rooms, one mm. of the things that I've always wanted to 
get hold of somebody and ask. Um, you worked on uh, moving wallpaper. Yes. And um, which is Tony Jordan, mm. and um, which was an experiment. Tony, uh, Tony yeah. Jordan had brought about moving wallpaper, which was about a production company. Making, a soap. Back, making yeah. a soap, and then the Showing next half the was called yeah. Echo Beach. And it was, did you have the writing room? Was it producing scripts for both, or did you have separate writing rooms? No, I think Tony Tony wrote for both, but no, it was separate. It was it was uh, yeah, it was again Simon Simon Blackwell um, wrote wrote on that, uh, and me and Rog and. I d I'm trying to remember the uh, the people who wrote on the soap side. I don't think we. You didn't the, mix with them. I d no, I don't remember any kind. I mean, because there was some crossover. The idea was always to have some decisions that they made in the production sitcom sort of. Play, well, you, you always went across. Played and you, out. You saw some of it. Some of it. Some of it, it being filmed. But it was slightly. Ha you know, you couldn't. The soap couldn't be so bad. It, ha it had to sort of work as a soap on its own merits. Was was always the plan. So yes. it, was, it couldn't. You couldn't really make it disastrously comedic. In, it, in the execution of the soap, um, but no, that was a great. You know, and that, again, that was a terrific cast. With, you know, yeah, yeah, it, it was a, it was ter terrific. It was a terrific experiment yeah. that just didn't get continued. Well, it's it It's very hard to ITV. You know, uh, I mean, you, you have the luxury. So, I mean, BBC are concerned with figures, but I think ITV are much more because it's ad driven. It's 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 much harder to. To sell the programme, yeah, to get the yeah. money in, uh, you, yeah, to, to you, produce it. It's got to be immediate. You can't, have a, you can't really have a slow burn. You, you have to sort of... Yeah. You have to have something that ignites quite yeah. quickly. Yeah. Yes, it's true. So you started out as a comedian working mm. on your own, um, uh, presumably preparing your own material. Well, I, st I kind of feel I started out over here at Victoria College doing you know, review shows and then doing films with my friends. And then when my, they went around, this, when, I, when I went to university, as I said, that's when I did stand-up. And so that, that was kind of, so that was me on my own. But then one of them, Roger Drew, he, he, one of the guys he used to make the films with, he then moved over and we started writing together for radio and TV. And you've, you've worked with the like of other comedians mm. like uh, Jasper Carrot, Johnny Vaughan, Omid yes. Jalili. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm forgetting. Yeah. Armstrong and Miller. Yes. That's a tremendous uh, CV to put forward it's, to anybody. I've forgotten. Yeah, I, yeah, that was very. Uh, we, we, we we were very. That was in our first or second year. I think we were writing for Jasper. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't take a lot of what we were writing. Actually, <laughs> I think we were probably probably a, a bit in at the deep end there. But but it, it's incredible just to be around those people because just the level of skill and experience they have and, and professionalism. Instinct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's all of that. So you kind of learn. Learn on the job. Yeah, learning yeah, yeah. on the hoof and learning on the job. But that was well. fascinating because that one of the writers on the it was Jasper's one of Jasper's writers. You know, he had to, he had um, Steve Knight and Mike Whitehill, who they then went on to uh, co-create um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and then Stephen Knight from then went on to uh, you know write for Scorsese and uh, you know Cronenberg, and I mean it's just I hadn't really, I think I bumped into him once since then, but. It's, it was this guy I met in the Jasper Carrot writing room, and then he's suddenly off writing these incredible, you know, crime movies. And you obviously enjoy working in a writer's room. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, I've always found with like writers, and it was the same with stand-ups. That um, although I have to say, writers tend to be from more similar backgrounds. Uh, stand-ups, I, I, I don't know whether it's true as much now because I'm not on the circuit as much. But what I loved about stand-up, uh, and, and which I thought was just great just on a uh, on a life level was that you just meet all these people from incredibly different backgrounds but you'd have this one connection that you all uh, had 
the desire and the facility to do stand-up. So you sort of be mixing with sort of be sort of ex dentists and teachers and not to glamorise it, but you know armed robbers were doing stand-up when I was starting. You had properly kind of you know like eclectic bunch of people, but you could just you know everyone kind of mucked in together, and that and that was wonderful. And and similarly with writers, you just feel you've got a connection because you you get any writers together, you know they're all going to love Alan Partridge and they're going to love. You know Chris Morris and Day to Day and uh, Faulty Towers and Laurel Hardy and whatever. So you you already have that shared, you have that shared connection. So you can, so, you can form bonds very very quickly as writers. Is what I yeah. Find. So collaboration is really important to you. Um, I was going to ask, is it something you really like? It obviously is. Um, you still act? Do you do any acting? I, I, when it comes along, yes. It's not my sort of you know. Uh, I'm, I'm again. I feel very lucky because I'm not. I'm not like constantly chasing it. And I don't rely on it for my income. It, but it's a it's a joy to do if I'm asked to do something or if I get a chance to audition. I always do always do auditions anyway because it's great. It's great practice. Basically, it's great. It's great to meet people. And if you're not right for that part, they might give you something else in four years' time. You don't know. So, I, and it also it makes me read scripts. Is another thing. I, I take an audition because I think. That will make me read that other person's work, and you know, and that, that's always interesting. You always learn from it, even if you, you don't particularly like it, or it's just it's just interesting. So it's a, I see it as a way of meeting casting directors and directors and reading scripts. And radio, radio, mm. your first your first outlet. Yeah. After stand up, um, you're still doing radio. No, I ha- I know sadly, and that that's. It sounds like it's, it's, it's economic. I, I mean, I absolutely love... One of my bugbears, actually, is that, that radio writing is not paid the same as television writing. It's, you know, it's roughly, you, you get, for a series of radio, you get the same as you would for an episode on, pretty much, of, uh, of TV sitcom. And I think, well, it's the same. You're doing the same work. I know, I know the budgets are smaller because, you know, it, it's just, you just need a microphone and a producer and an editor, but I don't see why the writing budget should be smaller. And, but it, it, it is, and I just can't having a family now I just I just couldn't set aside the six months I need to write a radio sitcom to you know but the one thing you have done is you've managed to get that first book I did, out as and was published set, yes. which, must, which must feel like a great great achievement I, yeah well, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the books I think it's I think it's good it's okay to say that I'm rather rather English about this but um yeah, no, it, I, I feel very proud that just that I finished it. I think anyone who can, you know, just to write a script or to, of any length, but certainly a film script uh, or to finish a novel, you know, even if it never gets anywhere, just to do that is an incredible achievement. So I just, you know, even, even if it hadn't got published, it's, it feels great to just be able to produce something of that length and intricacy. Did you have to learn the business side of... Um, publishing a book the same way as you had to learn how to go out and sell yourself as um, a scriptwriter, as a comedian I well it's because it's all I'm very you know, I just get my my agent does all the the bit I don't I mean I just get them to look at contracts and, and <laughs> assume that you know not I'm, your forte no well no it, it's like they'll, they'll sort of talk me through it and then I'll, I'll get sent it but it would be like some 30 page legal document I thought I can't interpret this that you know I, I could understand each word individually but it's all got to wash over me after a while so I'll just take their word for it and sign it so I so in terms of the, the business side of it I mean really with books it's you, you don't really do it for the money anyway so I was just you know like um or certainly not at, a, at advance stage unless you're I'm sure if you're famous you get a massive advance but uh, if you're just you know an author you're not going to get a great deal these days and 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 so there's not that much negotiate you know a lot of leeway and, and there's not a lot to negotiate so it tends to be a simpler contract than 
than than TV anyway. So so it was just a matter of getting an agent and getting them to uh, to sort that out. So there wasn't really an adjustment from from that point of view in, ter in terms of the selling. I mean, I, I think probably my the the sort of small profile I do have, I think, got the book got the book read quickly by agents when I was looking for an agent and publishers. Um, but I don't think I'm famous enough that they would have just published it because of my name. It's not going to sell just because it's by me at all. So it has to stand on its own merits. So I, which I think it's a really great position to be in and that it, get, it gets people look at it quickly, but they also judge it on its own merits. Which So I, 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 you know, it, I hope it, it's justified in its publication. <laughs> well, for anybody who has acute hearing, you might hear something that's like a heartbeat ticking away in the background. Ah, it's a and clock. It's a, it's a clock, clock behind fine. us, which I, I'd only just noticed as you were yeah. talking. And I am very aware of the fact that you are very shortly going to have to get on the plane mm. to go back to England. When you get back on Monday morning, what are you going to be working on? Uh, I have a sitcom uh, that I have to... The, the ending is... The resolution is too quick and I, it needs an extra beat, so I have to... I, yeah, I'm sort of going for... Uh, effectively, I need to pad it out, but not, it's not padding. But it, that's... So, so I'm, I'm slightly struggling. It feels like because I, the story's quite tight, I kind of feel like, oh, it'll be padding if I uh, lengthen it out. So really, I need, I need to go back further towards the beginning and, and sow some other seeds so that... When I do make it longer at the end, it will be more organic. So that's is it, my Is this task. a proposal? Is this no, that's, that's a commission script commission. through Tiger for Channel Four. So that's going to go back into Channel Four after they had some notes. So that, that's so that's going back to them. And then I'm finishing a. I have a second episode on a series, that, a fantastic series that Joe Brandamore, when a Banks, uh, have written, set in uh, children's services department. So I've. Given the one episode, they're really happy with that. So I have some notes to do on that, and then I have to write an, another episode for them. That's going to be in Channel Four. You're well. a busy man, Will Smith. Well, it's I, yeah, I, I yeah, I love it. I always I I don't really. I mean, I could, I suppose I could take days off, but I just don't. Even you know, I just like I would like if I if I'm struggling with something, I will go and read something or I'll watch something. Um, which is kind of what people would do if they had time off. So I, I suppose I am taking the day off, but I regard it as part of the, an essential part of the work. Can I, can I bring in a word that mm. you used to great emphasis last night at your talk yeah. about Mainlander? You will use the word fermentation. Fermentation, yeah, yeah. You, 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 yeah. you definitely like the fermentation going on in the brain all the time, don't yes, you? Yes, well, I saw, I remember seeing an interview that Graham Linehan did about, about writing and he said some, it doesn't come out, it's like doing a poo and you haven't eaten enough and you need to go away. <laughs> and I thought, that's, that's exactly it. That's, he's, yeah, he's nailed it. That's, that's how it feels. It's, it's like it's not ready to come out yet. You have to... So you you know so I'll, I'll and I know now if like if and I can inch forward with something and sometimes you kind of make very small steps forward and then you look at the whole of it and you go I actually know that's that that's getting there but other times I need to yeah you just need to go and do other things to step away from it and then it'll start to come but yeah, I find you some so you, you, I can't force it sometimes I have to you know, I have to draw it out but I'm lucky enough that I have quite a few things on the go so if I get stuck on one thing could jump onto another thing and then by the time I finish that and come back to the first thing then hopefully pardon me hopefully it'll start to become clearer and it, it just gives your brain a rest from sort of driving away at the problem yeah yeah you need yeah. to sometimes yeah, you walk do. away from the problem you don't do. you and then by the time you come back the brain's done the work yeah you need to give yourself fresh eyes and that's that's the thing oh it's, yeah so it's and and also you need to show it to other people to you get do. fresh eyes coming back yeah, at you yeah yeah often I'll know like you'll, you'll think I know this isn't you know, 
it's not finished, but I can't do any more of it right now till you tell me what the problem is, or or I I just need to, or or I just need a week away from it, so I'll give it to them, and and then by the time they come back to me with some notes, it's, so it's but I, you know, and again, once you, once you know the rhythms of that, and and you don't feel intimidated or you know upset or offended by constructive criticism, then uh, it's it's great to just let that process roll and just engage it with it and use it. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Well, Will Smith, it's an absolute pleasure meeting oh, likewise. you. Can I say to the UK scriptwriters, reader, mm. listeners, um, buy Will's book called Mainland, Mainlander. Mainlander, yes. By, uh, it's published by Fourth, Fourth State. State. Yes. How much does it cost? I think it's eight ninety nine, or it may be reduced on at certain outlets. Oh, how lovely. <laughs> I don't know. The one thing I did think was wonderful is you've actually got it's an audible book. Oh, yeah, yeah, this, yes, yes. For, for those that obviously yeah, need yeah. it. Yeah, audiobook, and it's large print as well. So, wonderful, uh, absolutely wonderful. Everything's covered. Will you come back and talk to us again? I'd it's love been to. an absolute yeah, love, pleasure love talking, talking to you. I love talking about writing, and yeah, so yes, absolutely. Well, this is me and Will Smith sitting in Waterstones in Jersey, um, about to let Will go and catch his plane home to London. <laughs> Thanks, Will. Thank you.